Welcome to episode 9 of the Electronic Gentleman Podcast. This week we're doing a spotlight episode on my good friend and colleague Alex Miller. He's got a very cool side project that he is working on and I thought it would be very cool to talk to him about it. Eric is out of town on site this week so we're going to fly solo, just Alex and I. And by the way, don't forget to check out the Trial Technology and Litigation Support Podcast. When Rob isn't stealing my guests, he puts some good content out there. And, uh, um, you know, hey, I'm not going to hold it against him. He's a good guy. I'm just going to have to not tell him when I'm uh, bringing on new guests, or at least not give him their phone number. So let's get this show on the road. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Electronic Gentleman Podcast. Speaking of that, though, you just spent uh, how much money on a one wheel? Um, a, a solid amount of fancy football winnings on a one wheel. But this is not just a play toy, Derek. This is a new mode of transportation. I'm actually cutting my carbon footprint by buying one of these. So really? you're welcome. So where are you going to take it? Well, I have a very walkable community slash city. So uh, down to yoga down to uh, my art studio, my print studio. How far away is Take yoga? Uh, I walk there in 10 minutes. So So you'll be able to get there I in can, like one minute. <laughs> one minute. I can, because the lights, I can get there in around four if it's really good. If I, if I time the light right, four minutes. So yeah, you know, maybe it'll be two. I don't know. We'll see how dangerous and crazy I am. Have you had a chance to try one yet? I haven't. But here's my thought. Uh, I skateboarded briefly for around six weeks when I was 12. Mm-hmm. So I've got that. But <laughs> it was just a short been, time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just a short time. I mean, like just the other day. But also, I've been, I've been doing yoga for, I don't know, three, four years now. And it's all about balance mm-hmm. and not just, you know, uh, physical balance but mental balance and i feel like i'm in a point in my life where i might not be this crazy speedster that i was when i was in my 20s so for me it's not about like the exhilaration of being a speed freak it's about having a fun time on a very low-key kind of transportation tool well i'll tell you i uh i don't like to be excluded from things so um this is going to be a challenge for me not to join in i'm a joiner I you are, but and not only that, you you're like look, you're like the rest of us. You're a tech geek. This is mm-hmm. like a very unique piece of tech transportation. And while we can't all buy Teslas, we can all buy one wheels. In fact, I don't think any of us can buy Teslas, but someday, <laughs> someday. someday is right, brother. Yeah. No, well, look, I think you got to jump in, man. I think you'd like it. I know, and there's a dealer pretty near me that I could go and try it out. Um, what do you? Well, here's the thing, though. So, okay, but everything I'm reading is like you need to put a few miles underneath your feet before you really get an understanding what the deal is. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. Right. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not one to give up on things too quickly. I mean, the other thing is I snowboard. In fact, I just snowboarded like a few months ago, and I, I that came back to me pretty well after like 15 years. So. Oh man, yeah, dude. I, how do you not jump on this? Yeah, I know. Every, what I read, I read it's a lot like snowboarding and the resale market on these things is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So let's say you buy it, you end up not liking it. You're going to lose like 
a couple hundred dollars, right? In the grand scheme of things, you got a great story. You tried it out. You scratched the itch, right? Yeah. That's a really you good got, argument. I, That's the kind of arguments that uh, I would make to somebody who was like, why are you spending that kind of money? And it's just <laughs> that I could always sell it. Yes. Of course you can. Yeah. All right. Well, so um, I thought this would be a, uh, you know, we do a lot of shows on work life. Um, but we don't do a whole lot of shows on, Hey, what's going on back over there? You got a lot of noise in your background. I apologize. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. Read it again. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so we do a lot of shows on, um, work stuff. I mean, this is a podcast about work, about business, but it's also a podcast about, um, balancing work life with personal life and um, personal projects and that sort of thing. And I, ever since I heard about your project, I thought it was uh, excellent and cool, and I've been uh, tracking it. I mean, it was something that was cool enough to get you either back on Facebook or on Facebook for the first time, which means that you must care about it a lot. Um, so, <laughs> so um, well, first off, let's, uh, let's give a little background on you. I try to do that when we, when we have people on that we know. Um, you are Alex Miller. You have been a core team member now for how long has it been? Like, I'd say four months after the company started. Mm. I'm proudly employee number two. Oh, you are employee number two. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah. right. You know, I figured that out the other day, but I had forgotten about that. So um, you were kind of the, I guess at the time, Kim lived in the Northeast as well, but you have been the anchor for our, what we call the DMV Um portion of our team. Um, there's more of you up there now, but um, you are our DC presence for quite some time. And um, so what's, what's your background a little bit uh, when you were coming into core? Oh, my background. I, uh, I've only ever really been able to do art my entire life. Like math and grammar and spelling have eluded me as some of you know well. And my folks were like, look, you can go to art school, but please make it like a big like public university. So that way, when you realize maybe art isn't your thing, you can quickly switch over to a different program as opposed to like going to an art school. And uh, so I did exactly that. I found myself at the University of Maryland. Um, I continued to love art. I had a professor once who, you know, saw me trying to paint classical paintings in a, in a classical painting class and came over and said, this isn't your thing, is it? I was like, no, absolutely not. And he's like, check out Shepard Ferry. This guy is a street artist, but he's also doing graphic design. And um, you can kind of marry the two. And it never really dawned on me that that could happen. And then I found myself at that point, then minoring in graphic design, majoring in fine art. My folks are like, that's great. Go with it. We're paying for eight semesters. And after that, you know, you're on your own. And um, I graduated around the time of the dot-com boom or bubble bursting and found myself at a job where I was with engineers who were testifying in court and they wanted a consistent look uh, when they went and testified so that they could kind of sell the service. So I was doing that, and um, one day, I was doing it for like six years, only construction litigation. One year, uh, one day someone comes knocking on the door. They tell me that they have uh, sold out to a, another company, a company that we all came from eventually, or most of us did. 
And I found myself at this big company, no longer just doing construction, but like everything. Uh, and I really found it to be exciting. Whereas before I was only doing construction mitigation. I was like, oh, this is the worst. But then you get into all these different topics and subjects and you become a mini expert in something for a few months. And it kind of scratched that ADD just enough. And it, it gave me the ability to be creative on something different just enough that no longer was I really craving to do, you know, fine art shows or things like that. Like my shows were in courtrooms and I got to do fun, creative work and I had clients who were willing to pay for it. It was, it was really good. So I was working at the old company and then I, I did a couple of trials with some of the people who started court and we became friends and they came knocking a few months after the business was started. And that's how I became employee number two. So, so you, kind of had to switch gears from the fine art to get into something maybe a bit more practical. Uh, but you seem to have always had that tendency to want to still focus on fine art to an extent. Is that true? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I enjoy doing it. I've been doing it my entire life. So it felt like it's not something that I can just give up. I tried to actually for a while. I was like, oh, I can do graphic design forever and that'll be enough. But I, I found that not to be the case. That I, I've always gravitated back picking up a pen or a pencil or a paintbrush and that that's very satisfying to me are, are you saying that color coding um patent drawings isn't the same <laughs> yes i know it's a, it's a stretch i know but well you mentioned uh, add uh, i think that plays a little bit into um into your project tell us a little bit about um the project sure it's uh it's creative lessons um I guess it started off with I have these two wonderful boys, ages seven and five, Maxwell and Zachary. And these two little kids are coming home with copious amounts of artwork from their nursery school. And, you know, as, as new parents, my wife and I are like, we can't throw this away. This is you know, something they created and we've got to hold on to it. And we found ourselves with just mountains of this work and we had to go buy portfolios to store it all in so it wasn't just all over our house and over time you know my house is just filled with art stuff i've done stuff we've bought and the kids really like that and they wanted to hang their stuff up and so we started putting up like the stuff that we really like like the more agreeable looking stuff mm -hmm. um and one day i'm hanging something up and I, it, it hit me that the artwork that they're doing is really different from the artwork that I do, the fine art that I do. My work is, it's heavily focused on bold graphic images. It has monochromatic backgrounds. I use text. I'm trying to convey a story through my art more times than not. Uh, like a songwriter kind of get, tries to get a message through a song. I, I try to do the same with my artwork. Sure. And here are my kids creating you have these just random color-filled paintings. And I, and I thought to myself, now in the background, you know, keep in mind also, these kids are young and my wife and I are trying to be good humans and good parents and try to, you know, get through lessons through their head, try to raise them right. And it hit me, you know, what if I took their paintings and used those as backgrounds and then devised like certain lessons we want to get across them and put those lessons on top of their backgrounds and kind of make this, you know, Frankenstein art and see if it would work. So uh, 
So we had to convince the kids to let daddy draw on their art, which was like a big sell. Cause they're like, no. And they're like, we'll give you double dessert. And they're like, yes. Yes. That's so, all it takes. And you're like, you're going to yes. have to trust me, but you're going to mess it up. Yeah, exactly right. Right. So they let me do it. And all of a sudden now I'm like scavenging through the portfolios of old work we had done or sorry, that they had done. And I'm trying to find like the best ones and you know i've now separated them out into piles and i've devised my ideas and and i put these lessons on and the first one we did was the golden rule right treat others the way you want to be treated and so we hung it up we, we, we did the uh, i did the 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 piece of art and we hung it up in the dining room but where we eat dinner and breakfast and we talk about the lesson. I mean, these are two little boys. And so they're karate chopping each other all the time and wrestling all the time. Inevitably, one of them is going to get hurt. And inevitably, you got to pull them over and be like, hey, treat them, treat your brother the way you want to be treated. You don't want to be karate chopped. Don't karate chop him. And then very quickly, we started hearing the boys repeat that lesson back to each other without my wife or I having to say that. And so like, you know, Zachary would be like, hey, that hurt. You're, you're supposed to treat me the way you want to be treated, just like the poster over there. And he would point <laughs> at the painting. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my God, this is working. So we did more and we hung them up. And, uh, you know, I guess we had people come over and they would see this. And not just like parents, but also dinks, like double income, no kids. They would see this and they'd be like, whoa. I want to have these in my house to teach kids or, or they go, Oh, I, I really like the way this artwork looks. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can I get this? And so for a few years, I was just kind of like, ah, this is, this is my thing. This is the Millers. Right. And then uh, a bit of inspiration kind of hit one day on a slow day. And I said, you know what I'm going through with this. And I joined Facebook <laughs> and oh. I, I started creating this social media presence and I started building them. Well, I'll tell you what, they're fantastic. If you, um, if you visit the website, so you've got a Facebook presence and you also have um, a website and um, the website is creativelessons.com and that's uh, creative with a C-R-E-A-D-D-I-V-E lessons.com and I'm actually going to uh, link to it um, in the podcast feed. But it's really fantastic and I, I think that is really cool that it seems like the kids, uh, if it's anything like my kids, if they contribute to something or if they're part of building something, they're more invested in it. And maybe that's what's helping the lessons sink in. I think so. I, I, I think that's right. But I really want to experiment with is I want to see if kids who have no investment in it whatsoever, they didn't have any hand in building it. If they will also take to the lessons as well as my kids did. And um, there's a shop in town where we sell the prints. We all, you know, besides selling them online, we're now selling them in the shop and a woman came in and she was talking to the shop owner and the gallery owner and saying, Hey, I mentor uh, kids in DC and I teach them art. And these lessons are perfect for what I'm trying to get across. So I'm going to start working with her to get these lessons in her hands. And we're going to try to build a curriculum to see exactly that. If other kids who had nothing to do with building these, if they'll also take the lessons and, using from day to day. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, uh, I didn't realize you were doing that in the, uh, in the local shop, but it's very cool. I mean, um, it's hard to describe here on an audio, but I mean, it's basically a really great mix of, you know, vibrant, bright colors, um, with, um, really nice, 
technical whoops i just scratched my thing there uh really vibrant colors with um really cool almost technical drawings on top your contribution in there and is it do you talk um when you're when you're putting them together um are you kind of like okay let me take this and work on it um and you tell the kids and then you bring it back to them and say here it is it's done or how much um how much are you guys working together on that um, well, so the first ones, they were a little too young to really understand fully what was going on. You know, sure. dessert was good enough for me to start drawing on it. And that was that. <laughs> right. right. But, but interestingly now, Maxwell, my seven-year-old is like, you know, we're talking about moderation the other day and he's in moderation. That would be a great poster, dad. Like mm. that, let's do a moderation next. And so I'm like, okay, great. Let's start thinking about like, what images will we put on those posters? And, uh. So they're starting to have more of a hand in it. They come out to my studio when I'm drawing or painting or whatever it is I'm doing to their stuff. And they come out and they watch. They, it's interesting like how quickly they lose interest and want to do their own stuff eventually. But it's fun having them yeah. out here while I do it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've got an 8-year-old um, and a 12-year-old. And um, I know how much uh, my 8-year-old really likes to be involved in in building things. But it really does sink in um with her and we really enjoy working on stuff like that together um, my older one is getting to be a little too cool for me but um you know um maybe one one day she'll she'll think of me as cool again but um you know a couple of them that you have up on the site right now um the fall down seven times stand up eight that's a really great um lesson and i i that's one of my favorite ones um i'm gonna again post links to these um and also the uh you know, the be a bear, but not someone's dancing bear. Those are the kind of lessons we're talking about here. And I think that, um, I think they're really cool. And so as a standalone art piece, I think this is awesome, but I also just think that the, uh, you know, is talking to people about their work routines and that sort of thing. I think it's nice, um, in the downtimes, um, to be able to have a personal project like this to work on um, with the family. And I, I, I know that it's good to be doing something outside of work. Couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's funny, like when we, I've heard some of your old podcasts and you talk about like when you bring someone in, someone new, and there's people to talk to them other than the the owners, the partners. And I'm, you know, I've usually been one of those people. And I sit down with these new people we're going to bring into the fold. and like, what's your hobby? Right. Cause you're going to have free time working in this company. It's such a shock to the system. Like you're like, Oh my God. I like, you don't know how to handle all the free time at first. Yeah. And I feel like if you have a hobby like this or, or an interest, any kind of interest, you know, that really kind of eases, um, you know, some of the nervousness when you have like these extended periods of downtime or like when a big case settles or goes away to be able to fall back on something like this is really, uh, it made my life better. You know, does it, is it hard for you? Um, you've, uh, obviously with the name of the site and just things you've said already, um, ADD is a bit of a challenge for you. Is it hard for you to switch gears and kind of, it is for me and I've, I've got a bit of that myself and I have a tendency to stress about things that are outside of my control. And sometimes that means it's hard for me to switch gears and, um, take work off my mind. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, work is, is ever present, right? So, you know, my, my biggest tool right now, is my iPad Pro. I can draw on it, I can sketch on it, I plan on all my drawings on this thing. Um, but notifications are always on. So, you know, even even as I, I just finished up two new pieces that are gonna be 
going to the printer soon. But as I'm finishing them, you know, it's during the uh, middle of a Thursday and I'm waiting for emails to come in. I'm waiting for a Slack message to be responded to. So I actually feel like ADD in a way is, is a superpower, right? I'm able to just be distracted and I've been distracted for so long in my life that it doesn't really hurt me in this respect, right? I think the hardest thing for me for ADD with this job is, you know, someone's like, hey, here's a 70 page outline. Like, please read this and give me suggestions. Like to me, that's that's my kryptonite. I'm, you know, I, I just dread that kind of stuff. Well, those things um, are usually so engaging. So I don't understand. I know. I've been working on a project where it's just like, not even is it, you know, you have to read this stuff, but also about 80% of it, you have to look up to figure out what they're talking about. And that just makes it even worse. Well, that's the truth. That we get into some truth. weird science stuff sometimes when we're working on these cases. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really, I, I used to look at ADD when, when I was first diagnosed, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. This stinks, you know, and I was on medication and that medication helped me get through school and helped me get into college and do all that stuff. And there was a period where I was like, man, if I'm going to have to read like, you know, these giant briefs, I'm going to need to get back on medication. And eventually I was like, you know what? Forget it. Like it is time to figure out how to cope with this thing and make this work for me. Cause yeah. I started reading like all the side effects of ADD. I'm like, these are all benefits for what I do and what I need to do, sure. except for not having like long stretches of concentration. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, that's, um, you know, I'm glad that is working for you. I think everybody kind of has their own coping mechanism. Sometimes it's medication, sometimes it's something different. But I think um, it is one thing that's nice about this environment is there's room to cope. Um, I, I think we talked a little bit about that um, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about it's not a one size fits all environment. And I'm not just talking about core. I'm just talking about working remotely. You know, if you've got the flexibility to kind of do things your way, ultimately, it can make things, um, your, your results will probably be better in the long run. And um, that's one of the things that has really helped me. And maybe it's been out of necessity that I've had to end up in a situation like that. Um, or maybe maybe it's just been preference over the years, but it really does make a difference. Now, you actually have a workshop that you, um, most people work out of their house. Um, I either work out of my office in my house or I go out, you know, out and about coffee shops sometimes just to get a change of scenery, but you actually have a, an office within your backyard. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I have a modern shed or a shedio out back. Uh, I, I built it, uh, right after I learned we were going to have Zachary right after I learned that my wife was pregnant again, I was about to lose the third bedroom of our home where my studio was set up. And, um, turns out in my city and on my block, there are enough people who work from home that they've all come under the same problem where they lose a room or they need more room. And a couple of people had built like working sheds in their backyards. And a neighbor of mine had been talking about doing this for a long, long time. And he, he one day emails, he's like, I'm pulling the trigger. I found these Amish guys who will build it, deliver it, drop it on my ground, build a foundation, drop it on the ground and let me fit it out however I want. Wow. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So 
I got their number and uh, I did exactly that. I have like a 16 by 20 foot studio space in my backyard with electricity that runs to it and the internet and the whole deal. And, uh, you know, my wife's a teacher. So during the summer, she's home and the kids are home and I'm able to just come out to this space uh, and do work and not be bothered by them. But the great part is, is that, you know, I'm here. So if I get a 10 or 15 minute break waiting for someone to respond to me or whatever, I can kind of just swing the doors open and be like, hey, I'll play, you know, soccer with you guys in the backyard. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So it's been it's been really cool. That's awesome. And so what does um, your wife, Megan, think of all the uh, uh, about the project specifically? Oh, man. So having ADD, I come up with some pretty crazy hairball schemes. And I've known her for a solid 18 years, and she has heard many of these crazy schemes. And so when I had the idea for creative lessons, I kind of just like tucked it away in my head. And I was like, you know what? Like, uh, or I'm going to do this on my own. And not so much when I had the idea for the lessons, but when I had the idea like, hey, I'm going to make these into like high quality museum prints and try to sell them. I, I didn't tell her about that. And uh, I had read a couple books. The one is uh, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron mm-hmm. and another called Ship It by Seth Godin. And I married these two books. One kind of talks about how to get your creativity back uh, and how to be a selling artist. And the other, Ship It, is kind of like, how are you going to get this product out the door? Who's go- Who's going to stop you? You know, inevitably, it's probably going to be you who's going to stop you. There might be some middle management. But in this case, I had no middle management. So what did I have to do to get this done? Uh, So, you know, I still work for CORE. I still have a day job. So this was probably over the summer. And I just kind of started writing down, okay, if I did like three to four tasks a week, you know, what do I think I need to do in order to get this shift and how long would that take me? And I forecasted it out to like mid-October. So I quietly, like, you know, from my shedio or wherever I was in the country working, you know, I would take care of a task here or there. And I started getting to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to probably take credit cards. So probably going to want an LLC. Probably going to need to talk to maybe like an attorney or an accountant at the very least. So I went off and did that by myself. And mid-October comes and I'm like, wow, I pretty much have built this little business. All I have to do is press the green button to go live. So my wife came home, we had dinner, we put the kids to bed and I got her a drink. I'm like, Hey, I've got something to tell you. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, you don't have these crazy schemes. Well, I went through on one of them and I went all the way and said I met with an accountant and she referred me to an attorney and I've got this little business that we can just start tomorrow if you'd like. What do you think? And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I had to like take a breath and step back and told her the idea. And she's like, okay, that's great. Here are all the problems I just thought of immediately that you didn't mention at all and you probably didn't think of and you never would have because of the way you are, you need me on this. How could you not tell me? And I was like, I wanted to save you from my craziness. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's, you know, she's probably used to, uh, like stopping, starting. I mean, if it's anything like my, my oh, life, my God. Absolutely. So, yeah, it makes sense. Wait until you get through, uh, getting through to where you've almost got it all set up. 
my man, I have had so many crazy ideas that like, she just laughs at them now. Right. And so I didn't want, I really thought this was serious enough that I wanted to prove to myself that I could go through with it before bringing her in. And next thing you know, four and a half months later, I'm like, Oh, Hey, it's ready to go. That's awesome. <laughs> so she's been really supportive though. Um, I mean, there are times when I'm going to be on the road and, um, and I don't think we're going to turn the site off. I think we're just going to continue to let it live and keep sending prints out. So we try to work out details of like, all right, well, if I'm in Minnesota for, you know, six to nine weeks, how are we going to do this? So we figured yeah. out a system and she's cool. With it. Well, that's awesome. And I think it's cool that the kids are going to have that to look back on too. And like, Hey, I, we helped build this. We were the catalyst for this. So I think that's pretty I, awesome. I didn't think that they would be as into it as they are like the, the concept of selling on the internet is so foreign to them, right? Like they think that we're like setting up a lemonade stand on the side of the road and selling these prints and like, like, no, it's on the internet, which you've never been on. So you don't really understand how people come and find us. So, so that's why I decided like there's an art gallery in town. I'm going to go bring these down there and see if they'll sell them. And so, you know, getting those prints featured in the gallery and then having them being sold was so cool because the kids really could latch on to like oh my god we're selling stuff in a store and people can come buy our artwork how cool yeah um and we try to we try to include like a personalized note when we send these out so like i always tell them hey we sold another one you know and they're usually like all right make sure you tell them thank you for buying it so it's that's really, awesome. really cute and neat that way. Yeah, that's really uh, teaching a lot of lessons there all at once. That's very cool. We talked a little bit about your presence on Facebook, but I think you'd mentioned to me recently that you were also digging into Instagram and found that might be a better platform. Is that right? I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I, it's been much more of a visual kind of tool, and I don't have to really deal with like updates from old high school friends that I don't care about. No offense, old high school friends that I don't care about. But I, I'm able to do things like uh, like share my process, right? Like uh, to me, when I find out another artist is on Instagram and they're showing that kind of stuff, it's awesome because I can finally see that's how you do something I've been trying to figure out forever. I've been trying to uh, pay it forward in a sense, right? Show my process. This is what I'm doing on my iPad. This is how I get it onto the, the kids' pictures. And so I've been trying to be more active on there than the other social medias. Now, is that, uh, do I remember correctly too, that you, uh, are you able to record what you're doing um, into a video? Yeah, the uh, app that I use is called Procreate. And it's so neat because it, it, it does a stream record. It does it without you even actively hitting record. So if it takes me, you know, a couple of months to knock a piece out, it's recording the entire time and oh, wow. will spit out a video. It's, it's so incredibly neat that's awesome well what's your um what's your id on instagram and i'll also put it in the uh, in the feed i oh, appreciate it man it's uh at creative lessons c-r-e-a-d-d-i-v-e lessons well man um it's been great hearing about all this and uh, like i say i'm gonna post some links to it because i think people are going to be interested in it and um, i'm actually i haven't really promoted the podcast on linkedin yet um i've kind of been waiting to get a few episodes under our belt so i'm planning to at least mention it on there for the first time um, this week. So um, we'll get some traffic on there as well. But I think it's really awesome. And that's why I kind of wanted to have you on and talk about it. So, well, let's see. We've got another couple months before your one wheel comes. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> there's some way that you can video because uh, I'm going to, I may dump, jump into the 
the one wheel channel on on Slack, but I know if I do that, that's going to push me over the edge. It absolutely will. It, the the few folks in core, you know, the one who has a one wheel right now is just teasing us with like all these awesome videos, all these modifications you can make to it. And I find myself just like like sitting, looking at my email, hoping that someone's like, hey, guess what? We made your one wheel two months early and it'll be delivered tomorrow morning. You know, like I'm so excited for this thing. It's ridiculous. You know, every once in a while. Yeah, it, yeah. Every once in a while, you come up with there's there's that thing that comes out that you have to wait for, and it's like so uncommon to have to wait for things now. It's like especially you know, Amazon, know. it's like next day. But when you actually yeah. have to wait for something, you forget. Man, this whole anticipation thing is actually really fun. It is. It is. I, but what's worse though? I mean, fun, yes. But I'm going to be in the middle of trial when this thing gets delivered to my house. So I'm already like asking our guy Todd, like, okay, how can I travel with this thing? And yeah. you know, how can I bring this on site? He does it all the time. So yeah. it's well, going to be cool. spectacular. Spectacular. I hope yeah. you jump in, man. I probably will. I mean, if I if I see that uh, that you and Groner can do it, and you know, Groner's a skateboarder, though. I think he's going to take to it pretty well. Uh, and again, you were when you were 12, so that you should just uh, you should hop right on there and be good to go. Dude, that six or seven weeks was very influential <laughs> in what eventually would be my grand champion one-wheeling, you know? <laughs> Yep, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thanks. thanks again for coming on, and we will um, talk to everybody next week. Thanks for having me. Listen to 